Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. Well, hello again out there, and welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe the best idea wins, and we are here to help you generate lots of good ideas. Listeners, I apologize for the two-week hiatus that we took from the show. That was completely unintentional. Um, As you all know from our last episode, I was heading down to AHR, and that was honestly just, it's a busy event. If you've ever been, you know that it's busy. There's a lot going on. Um, I had time to decide to record episodes, blah, 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 excuses. You don't care about those. Uh, so anyways, we're back better than ever, and we're ready to rock it this week. I have got my new friend, John Tory on from Searchlight, and we're going to talk about something that is critical for your marketing and your operations, and that is just connecting the dots between search volume, lead flow, form fills, phone calls, and how that kind of ties into your return on ad spend and just try to be able to monitor some current trends um, in the online landscape so that you guys can get a better understanding of what's going on out there and kind of how to shift and adapt with the current, you know, the current climate of the market. So, John, welcome to the show. Eric, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited for our episode today. Yeah, super excited. I know we've been trying to get this, get this uh, nailed down and, and, and rolling here for a while, so Really excited for our conversation. I think it's going to really benefit a lot of our listeners out there. So why don't you go ahead, uh, introduce yourself for our listeners, tell them a little bit more about who John Tory is and what you do, and then we will take it from there. Yeah, so I am John Tory, the Director of Marketing and Partnerships at Searchlight. And I spent the first part of my career working in the automotive industry, digital marketing, websites, analytics products. And the founder of Searchlight, his father's a plumber and he kind of approached us and said, look, I'm, I'm growing my business. I hired a marketing agency. You guys spent so much time in automotive looking at this day to day in and day out. Can, can you help me out here? And when we started to dive into the data, we realized, wow, you're, you're, you are being taken advantage of and no one's really looking at account. And they're not looking at the right data. Maybe there's an opportunity here. And so circuit originally launched as a PPC and Facebook agency in the home versus space. We ended up getting our first few clients and the feedback was, Hey, we like your team. We know that you care about our business, but we're not seeing the revenue data in our CRM. And so for about a year, I manually tracked lead to revenue to figure out what was happening. Are we really good at what we do? Is PPC a legitimate channel for HVAC contractors? This is what majority of our clients at the time. So I went through thousands of leads from phone calls, form leads, chats, uh, online scheduling. And, and I s- discovered there's a lot of issues with the way that the data is tracked, especially in this industry, because the sales cycle is different. You go in to the home, you do an estimate. That's a $0 job. They become an existing customer, but then they might buy something. You know, they, they 
purchase and it's sold a week later and then it's not installed until two weeks later. So is there something real here that, that we can put into a dashboard, bring analytics, bring insights? So we brought on developers that, that we had known that had built analytics platforms before. And we've ended up now as this solution, Revenue Flow Analytics, partnering with agencies, kind of getting more into the focus of how can we connect data easily for contractors and turn it into actual insights that affect business outcomes. Yeah. When you said that you spent time manually going through leads, I felt like there was a small jab just like into yeah. my side because I have done that before and it's painful, like manually going through every phone number, matching it, seeing what it was, and then like putting it on a spreadsheet. Like I've done that before just to like see, and it was, it was excruciatingly painful. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to learn more about, you know, what you're seeing in, in, in particular, like how contractors can effectively track this stuff. Because like you mentioned, they might go out for the estimate. They might not close for six weeks later. Um, but that click's already been charged to their card that you know, the, the cost of sending that technician into the home is already, you know, hit payroll. Um, and so sometimes I feel like the revenue might show up later, but we still want to be able to attribute it to that campaign. Right. So yep. what are you seeing and, and how do you guys track that? Yeah. So we built it from the ground up. So back to, back to the spreadsheets, kind of one of the first things that I discovered is you have customers in different phases. And one of the hardest parts was tracking open estimates. So I had a massive list that got bigger every day in and day out of customers that had open estimates. And every day I would check the CRM to see if there was any job status change. So that was pretty difficult. So what we did is we have a, a tracking pixel, one line of code. The fa- it's the skinniest piece of code you can add to a website. doesn't affect site speed, maybe less than 30 milliseconds uh, slower. And that tracks all the website activity. So we can see where this person came from, what they did on the website, and how they converted on the website. Then we integrate via API with different call tracking providers, different CRMs, different chat providers, online scheduling tools, things like that, or we build scrapers to go get the data. And then we built a logic layer on top of it. So I think that was was the key is working directly with contractors. How do you want to measure this? What's the customer journey? And then how can we actually look at and tie this data into events? This event happened, they came to the website from a GCLID, which is a Google Click ID. That means they came from pay-per-click advertising. They visited these three pages, submitted a lead via form. They got an estimate on, say, January 1st. Then four weeks later, that estimate was sold. We account for that revenue in the month of February. And then we can break it out by channel. We have logic to look at new versus existing customers. We can look at it by business unit. And what it really what I've seen overall the biggest takeaway, if there's one thing and you're, you're a couple minutes into this and you want to know what, what's John's biggest takeaway is marketing operations needs to improve. And that encompasses lead handling, that encompasses the conversion tools that you have on your website, and that encompasses follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like, you know, there, there's some solutions out there. I feel like, like Service Titan has done their, with their digital ads or their pro ads tool. Which is which is cool. I, I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I was meeting with a client once who I was just sharing the return on ad spend was based on what Service Titan was showing. Um, the only challenge though that I ran into was that the amount spent was active as of you know the previous twenty four hours, but the revenue attribution may not be fully 
that picture might not be fully painted until all those jobs and estimates are ran, installed and collected. So, you know, on there, it might've shown we spent 2000, got 20,000, but you may have actually gotten a hundred thousand because a lot of those, some of those leads may not have ever been ran yet. They might still be in follow-up. And so, um, yeah, I, I do feel like there's definitely, um, you know, kind of a, a connector, a missing piece there sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And we, we see that a lot. So, you know, when we implement our tracking for clients, you know, regardless of CRM, we tell them, look, that that first month, your match rate, which is the percentage of leads that match to a sellable opportunity in the CRM, your book job rate percentage of leads that end up as a sold or closed job, it's going to be lower because you're going to have a lot of leads in January that don't end up closing until February or maybe even March. So I talk a lot in my Substack, um, you know, my email newsletter about, you know, leading indicators versus lagging indicators and sold revenue to me is that that lagging indicator it hasn't told us what happened yet. Um, and it's a way to sort of predict, hey, we have half a million dollars in sold revenue that hasn't closed. It's going to hit the books in February. So it sort of compounds. And that's why that that first 24 hours, that that first 30 days you know, it, it might not look great and, it, and it's going to get better, but that's why it's important to look at the, you know, the, the customers in terms of events throughout their whole journey. And then yeah. look at not just phone calls, but also form leads and online scheduling and chat, because then what you start to see is in some markets, phone has been dominant. 80% of PPC conversions that, that we've tracked convert via phone calls. But I did a webinar with Schedule Engine where we looked at 2022 data for contractors, a sample that had online scheduling on their website, 33% of closed revenue from PPC in 2020, 2022 from those clients converted not via phone call from chat form online scheduling. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned a second ago during you know, your big takeaway uh, for the, you know, for this episode was that marketing operations as a whole could use a little work um, from, you know, lead generation to, the way it's captured to the way you're following up to the way it's booked. Um, you know, what are some of the metrics that you, you all have seen that has led you to that conclusion? Yeah, there's two in particular, there's match rate and there's book job rate. And as a consequence of that, we look at cost per book job. So I know the language is a little bit different. Maybe people would call it cost per sold job. How much did it cost to acquire a customer? That's the metric that we look at and then optimize strategy and operations off of that. So first things first, the match rate is the percentage of leads that end up in the CRM with a sellable opportunity. So we're looking at that customer. Do they have a record of either a repair and it could be scheduled in the future, an estimate that could be scheduled in the future, or some type of work for us to know this is a quality lead that's now in your CRM and you're working that opportunity. Mm -hmm. For some clients, we started to see something like a 10% match rate. 10 out of every 100 leads are turning into a sellable opportunity. That is not a good thing. And what we found, it's various cases, but, you know, in one case, we had a client where their form leads were going to a spam folder. And so they had very low, we look at it by conversion tool as well. So we saw you have a, you have a 0% match rate on form leads. Something's broken operations. We need to figure it out. Who owns that? By the time it got, you know, around the staff, it's like, oh my goodness, all of these form leads are in a folder and we haven't gotten back to people. So 
That's one piece of it. That's that's that first step of that first touch point with a customer. Are they getting in the CRM? Is there a sellable opportunity? Are they qualified? And you can go back to your ad strategy as well. If you're getting a lot of low match rate, you listen to some calls, you look at some forms, and you see, oh my gosh, a lot of we're advertising outside of our service area. We changed it. We didn't tell our provider how many times we experienced that. We try to stay on top of it. But then we look at that book job rate. So how well are those leads turning into paying customers? And some of that is the sales process. And if your book job rate is 10%, 15%, 20%, that means that 10% of your leads are turning into sold and closed revenue. Again, that that's that's low. We need to, we need to work on improving that. My mantra is always, let's get 1% better each month. But we might look at why is that why is that happening? So we had another client. Um, they had a tremendous amount of demand and they wanted to keep it coming in. But the problem was from estimate to to close, it was taking a few weeks. And they always tried to be the last estimate. You know, get your other estimates first will be the last in the home. And they needed to find a way to keep the customer engaged and interested in this particular brand. Yeah. Because we saw that, hey, your book job rates are going down. Even though we brought you more leads by increasing your spend, your book job rates are down. So we helped them to create a video. I wrote the script for it where they talked about their in-home sales process to help educate their customers and raise the bar. We do a heat calculation. Here's what that is and why it's important. We use the, this specific uh, bonding technique. I forget what they called it, but it, it's unique and it's, and it's different. And here's why. Because the average homeowner, they don't know these things. And by sending that video, it's like, oh, I'm going to wait for this brand. I'm going to wait for this company to come out. I know it's two weeks, but they know what they're doing. And we saw their book job rates go up. Yeah. So that's just an example. Man, I have got so many light bulbs going off right now. Just like thoughts and ideas. This is, this is really good stuff. Um, if you're listening to this and you're driving, I would say pause it and wait until you get to a desk where you can write some stuff down. Um, because like, this is, this is really just, I don't know, just tugging at my heartstrings here. I love it. Um, so when it comes to, you know, match rate and then the other one was, you said close job rate or book job rate. Yep. Book job rate. So here's something that we get a lot, a lot of questions we get, not just, you know, from our clients, but also just from listeners and folks we see on, you know, on Facebook and whatnot, whose job is, is whose when it comes to this stuff. Like when it comes to the match rate, like I know the agency has a responsibility to deliver leads to the the business as far as like a phone call, a form fill, a chat, schedule, whatever. Um, and then the contracting business has a responsibility to pick up the phone, get them booked, and then go do a good job. So where does the baton get passed off in your opinion? So where we have seen the most success is a shared responsibility. This is why we started partnering with agencies so they can use these analytics. Like that's the direction we're going. We want to power analytics for this entire space. And then we offer consulting on it. We still have PPC clients, you know, select clients so we can learn and, you know, improve what we're doing. But it's that shared partnership. And we call it the, we joke and we say, this is the accountability dashboard for both the agency, but also the contractors themselves. And I, I mean, I don't have any hard data for this as, as, a, as a data person, but it's intuition. The clients who get on the phone with us, and I, and I know you're busy and, and maybe AI will eventually take care of all of this for us. But until that moment, in my experience, we have found the clients that get on the phone with us at least once a month and are engaged are able to make even 30 minutes. They're able, we're able to look through the data, make recommendations, 
and then they're they're quick to address things on their end. Yeah. And another thing we do in our dashboard, we pull in the customer list. So we see the customer list. We have the form fields. We can see what they're saying in the forms, the chat conversations. We can look at that. We'll send examples of that of, hey, we need to do some training there. We need to do this or we need to do that. But again, it's that, it's that shared partnership, <clears throat> shared responsibility working together. Just, it, it just yields, yields better results. I, I just intuitively. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of times too, people expect like when they hire the agency, that means that like they have delegated the responsibility to the agency, but there, you know, there is a, a joint effort there. And I, and I think that, you know, smart, business owners understand that. And I know that our listeners are smart. So you all are not included (laughs) in the ones that don't do that. So uh, yeah, so something that, you know, kind of piggybacks off of that is demand in search. So like, you know, when call counts are down, you know, I see it, I'm sure you see it. Sometimes the contractors are like, Hey, you know, we need calls this week. Um, But there's, you know, also the simple fact that, you know, we can't always generate demand call. I cannot go out and break someone's air conditioner and have them call you. Um, so what are you seeing from a search trend perspective, like on Google and Bing and whatnot? Cause I've, I've been hearing that, you know, search volume has been down pretty much nationwide. Yeah, it, it has been. And so we'll, we'll break this out. We'll look at, at PPC overall, and then we'll get into Bing. Bing is interesting right now with their introduction of AI, which I know there's screenshots going around of it, the AI threatening to expose someone's personal information, but just looking at, at PPC trends and I'm, I'm pulling up my article. I just, I wrote this, published it on, on February 7th, the data-driven trades. So PPC lead volume, again, across all conversion tools was down 27% month over month. This is, this is looking at January. It's a pretty big dip. That's, that's a lot of calls to agencies saying, Hey, get, get me more leads. And that's when we have the accountability dashboard to say, well, let's make sure we're taking care of what you already have first. But looking at this data, 27% lead volume dip, massive. But closed revenue only dropped by 6%. Now, yes, that sucks that it's down. We're not happy that it's down. But why were leads down 27% and closed revenue down only 6%? A little bit of a less um, you know, hit, hit to the business. Well, the reason in the, this sample, 7,000 leads, uh, the average ticket was 33% higher from December to January. And the match rate improved by 5%. So you got less leads, but you match more of them. So you had you know higher sellable opportunity per 100 leads that came in. And then your average tickets really saved the day in January. Hey, this increased 33%. But now this is a nice tie-in because if we look at Right. You say, okay, that that's really interesting. I'm going to work on my operations. I'm going to look at every single lead that came in that didn't turn into an opportunity. And I'm going to find out why, because you have the customer list. You can read the forms and things like that. Oh my goodness. On Sundays. And I do, we do daily analysis too. like 3.7% of organic leads from a sample came in on a Sunday and they had the highest book job rate out of any day at 27%. You know what? Maybe we're going to adopt, uh, you know, schedule engine live because we know that we're getting leads on the weekends, things like that. But if you're still sort of, if you say, Hey, my operations are good. We're just, we, we got to keep our, our, our teams busy, you know, take a look at Bing. So Bing generated 10.6% of total leads from PPC. And this is across all of 2022 
Uh, I'm trying to look really quickly at how many leads. I think it was like 50,000 leads that, you know, we, we tracked and looked at. Um, Bing generated 10.4% of the total sold jobs from, from PPC. It was a little more expensive to acquire a customer from that channel versus Google, but Bing drove an 8.22x return on ad spend versus Google at 6.88x. And Bing generated 12.6% of total PPC revenue. I know that's a lot of numbers and people are listening are like, okay, what did you just say? What I am saying is that Bing is a lower volume right now than Google, but it generates a, a better ROI. It's not an or conversation, Google and Bing. If you aren't advertising on Bing PPC or at least testing it in your market, there's potentially 12.6% of the revenue that you're missing. If that makes wow. sense. Dude, this is this is this is really interesting because we were just talking about this, like, because you know it's it, right now it's like we're everyone's holding the line, trying to stay busy, trying to keep the phones ringing, and you know for the past couple of years it's just been Google, 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 and today we were like, you know, let's we should let's start rolling out Bing. We had talked about it in the past. We had had our um, you know assumptions, general assumptions that you know with Cortana and with some of the other stuff going on. Um, that, you know, there is obviously Bing has a smaller market share, but we knew that Bing users, and this could be just my gut feeling, there's going to be generally um, more desktop than mobile on Bing. I could be wrong. Um, but when you think about like your homeowner that has a Windows computer, there's a significant chance that they're using Bing. Yep. Um, and so I was always like, you know, why aren't we trying Bing? And we just like literally two hours ago, I like made the call that we're just like, we're going to, we're going to spin up some Bing ads to just see if we can just drum up, even if it's 10 more calls a week. Yep. Um, but you know, seeing these numbers, this is just, <clears throat> this is really interesting. So something interesting about Bing, right? So th this is the second layer of, of, you know, what we're doing, why we're, we're different in the marketplace. So in 2022, 56.5%, call it 57% of sold jobs from Bing PPC did not convert via phone calls. So if you're rolling out Bing and you don't have a chat tool on your website, you don't have online scheduling in, in your forms, make them easy. Do not put a bunch of required information. Again, it's a sample, right? There's a ton of variables, but this was a big sample set from, you know, all across the U.S., 50,000 leads. Something to think about. How are they going to convert? And, I, and again, like we can, we can think about the context of the Bing user, probably someone a little bit older. We see a lot of unbranded searches on Bing in a second. I'll take a look at the sub stack because the, percentage of, of sold jobs on Bing that are new customers are actually higher than Google as well. Yeah. Um, but that's when you start thinking that you're playing that 3d chess game of not only am I going to add Bing, but I'm going to think about how might a Bing user convert differently on my website than someone from Google. A lot of the Google stuff is, you know, phone calls, right? Yeah. So more than half of the people from Bing that we saw in that sample did not call. They did something else. Yeah. Something that I would love to track, you know, I mean, we've, we've just began rolling this out um, maybe three months ago. We found a lot of friction after using, uh, you know, like something like uh, Microsoft Clarity or Hotjar uh, for anyone that may be familiar with those. It's, it's essentially a heat map. It shows you how people interact with your sites and, you know, we keep an eye on that stuff. And we had seen that where most people were dropping off in the form fill process was when it got to the box where they had to type in what was wrong 
Um, because you know, it's easy. Anyone can go in and just say what their name, phone number, email address is. But when it got time for them to actually type in the little, how can we help message section? That's where we saw drop off happen. And so we removed the message box and just put in a drop down that just says AC doesn't work. Heat doesn't work. I want an estimate or other. And when we switched to that, we saw form fills like almost dramatically increase the next day. So I, I feel like with forms in particular, cause like you have to have it, but like there can just be, I've seen some forms, John, that are just like a hundred boxes of your street address. Have we used us in the past? What's your dog's name? Like so much stuff on there. And they're yeah. just, you're screwing the pooch on conversion with that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're spot on. So that, so we do track that and you know, what, what we'll do. So that this is what's kind of nice about, you know, our, our platform is we'll establish those benchmarks. So whether it's a private equity firm that we work with or, you know, three truck shop or, or whatever that is, right. We establish that set of benchmarks. And so then when you make changes like that, so you remove, you know, or you put the drop down and we can then track the match rate Did that improve or, or get worse book job rate, tickets, and then the revenue. So, hey, we removed this because we've done that for clients. And I wish I could remember the specific, we had to remove a field. They were asking maybe for the full address. We removed it and like revenue went up 160% at like, like triples. Uh, and so it becomes really useful. So another, another example is, you know, a chirp, right? Like chirp took over responding to forms for, for one of our clients and the match rate went up by 31%. And they, they're getting hundred form leads a month. So when you see that type of increase, all of a sudden they had fewer this month, like 91 versus 107, 16 fewer forms, but six more booked jobs because look, they, they hired it out. They have a process where that customer, the second they submit that form, they're, they're getting something back and that sales cycle is being managed. That's an efficiency where you take your, your leads were down. You got less. So you can either yell at your agency or, excuse me, we can work together with operations. And all of a sudden you have six more book jobs. What happens in the summer when your demand skyrockets and you have all the systems in place and you feel good about it, you can capitalize on it. Oh, absolutely. And when you think about like six more jobs at a 33% higher average ticket, like what does that, what does that do? What does that look like? Especially when, you know, we're, we're at a point right now where like, in my opinion, breaking even is better than laying people off. And so those six jobs could be the difference between breaking even or laying someone off or having a good month. Yeah. And look, if you think about it, I always say this too. It's, you know, not, not like new customers. They're not just new customers. They're their neighbors, their friends, their soccer coach. So what I mean by that is, is we've done this analysis. It's not in our dashboard yet. Cause it, there's, we need to, you know, get the baseline and get people comfortable looking at th- this stuff and really get them into it. And there's so much to cover. We've done studies before where we, where we look at neighborhoods where you got a new customer in this neighborhood and then we see four more homes that, that you end up in, in that cul-de-sac and that area. You know, we do zip code analysis, saturated versus unsaturated, tremendous amount of data and what do we do with it? But it's interesting to look at things like that. Those six forms that came in, there might be somebody that you do a replacement for that loves you so much that they're going to tell their neighbors about it. Your truck is in that driveway and people are seeing it it can compound over time. So while it might seem tedious or overwhelming, like you have partners who can help you, 
getting 1% better, in my opinion, in, in, in the trades, not even just my opinion, what I've seen compounds over time. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, so far, um, just kind of a recap, we want to improve marketing operations. Mm-hmm. We definitely don't want to rule Bing out of the equation because yeah. if anything, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're stumped about calls, go call your agency and, and just see is being a viable option for you. Should you so, you know set up some Bing ads? Um, so so let, let's chat about, let, let's talk about SEO for a second, because yeah. I know that that is also, um, you've got some trends on there uh, from January. So let's chat about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so like I had mentioned, right, we, we partners partner with agencies in the space. And uh, this data is from Relentless Digital. I'll just, you know, kind of mention that, Josh Crouch. Yeah. So, SEO lead volume from December to January dropped. I, I know I froze there for a second. I think my audio is so good. So I'll just say it again. SEO lead volume from December to January dropped by 48%. Now let's add some context to this. I don't know how many people have gone from that, you know, the, the holiday time when we had that cold snap pretty much throughout the United States. Yeah. We saw uh, search volumes hit record, like two-year highs during, like the day before Christmas Eve, yeah. Christmas Eve, and then it teetered <laughs> off during Christmas. Yeah, and of course, because of course it did, right? And what we saw again, we looked at match rates, we looked at all of this data, we're like, oh my goodness, like we we weren't prepared. Like when we talked to our clients or the agencies or just the industry as a whole, it's like I don't think we were prepared for that. And we can learn from it. It's not a criticism. It's we, we can do a better job. There's a lot of leads that came in that I think just were squandered in that case. Um, so, so we saw January came back to normal. So that 48% drop, just put the context behind it. We had weather driving, you know, a, a big, big shot of that. Um, yeah. Cost per book job from SEO. So we take the spend and that's how we, how we do the, you know, kind of return uh, measurement there. Cost per book job went up by 82%. It got really expensive. And I'll use this to pause for a second. Uh, I always think about information and attention arbitrage to win. So we saw Google Google local service ads came to the market and it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, the performance there was incredible. It's something else we track. You're seeing 40X returns. This is amazing. And then everybody talks about it on a podcast and they find out about it and they start doing it. So what happened? PPC actually became an opportunity. It got less expensive. We tracked this over, I think this was like two years ago. And now when you look at at Bing, organic, like the attention kind of shifts around. So if you're getting sophisticated, I always like to look for what might be undervalued. Like we can get into Facebook after this, but you know, organic, 82% cost per book job increase. Ooh, that's a lot, right? But the average tickets went up 100%, 107% month over month. And so closed revenue went up 180% month over month. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that the lead volume was down, your book jobs were down, the match rate improved by 28%, which again, just means like in December, tons of people, you know, calling in, filling out forms and just aren't being responded to because everybody's at capacity and even from organic, right. Can't really shut that off. And you know, it, that, that's what, what happened. So it improved January brought less leads, but more of the match, to the CRM and you had a higher average ticket and your closed revenue actually improved. So if you're just looking at leads or rankings and having that conversation saying, 
yeah, we, we have half the leads that we did last month. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened, but when you actually follow that through to revenue, like, wait a minute, you actually, the revenue actually closed revenue went up by 180% because your tickets went up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, that's very, as far as like the lead volume and stuff like that goes, that's very, um, you know, it's very close to what we've been seeing as well. You know, even from some of our own, it, I mean, honestly, like there's so many indicators of that too. Like we're even seeing call volume on, you know, from Google business profiles about the same amount of dip in January and website traffic and form fills are, you know, all kind of hovering in that same kind of dip. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, I, I definitely want to dig into Facebook advertising because that's, that's something that we see a lot of people talk about good, bad, or indifferent. Yep. And so I really want to see, you know, what you all are seeing from a, you know, from a data perspective on that. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of searching for one of the Substack articles. Yeah. I wrote this beginning in December. Um, so Facebook advertising, this is January 1st through November 30th. Now, one thing I'll call out is this is something we, you know, we, we manage, we do have proprietary audiences that we're using because in Facebook right now, you can't target a homeowner. Yeah. You kind of have to guess. So, so we invested in a platform where, you know, we get the age of equipment, we get really sophisticated there. So, you know, that's take it with a grain of salt a little bit, but um, from this sample, right. hundred, 182 book jobs, $1.52 million in sold revenue, a 28% book job rate. So about one in four of the leads that we were generating from Facebook turned into a paying customer. And then 80% of sold revenue was from new customers at an average cost per book job of $436. So about $50 higher per job than, you know, PPC. Uh, but it's not, again, it, there's variables. Some people, Facebook is not going to work, period, if you don't have, you know, your website set up properly. And I'll get into how, how people convert. Uh, if you're not spending enough budget, we do see if you're going to enter Facebook and try to spend $500 in our experience. And again, I, I, I try not to opinionate. I try to just say, hey, in our experience, we've seen if you're not ready to bring a few thousand dollars a month into Facebook, it, it's, it's going to be tough. And if you don't have audiences, it's going to be tough. And creative matters too. Uh, but something that was really interesting about Facebook, and I'm going to try to find the specific numbers, is, you know, a, the average ticket was $8,371.56. That's wild. You could be scrolling on Facebook. You see a compelling ad. Someone has probably been thinking about replacing their furnace. And if they're thinking about it, they probably have the money to do so. So they ended up spending more. And 56% of the book jobs were installations from Facebook. Um, but this is what's interesting. I have it in front of me. So for PPC, we typically see Google PPC, 80% of leads convert via phone calls. 43% of Facebook leads converted via forms on the website. 29% converted via phone call, 18% via chat, and then 10% via online scheduling. So again, what this means for you as you're thinking about, okay, I'm ready to get in, into Facebook advertising. I, I'm, I'm seeing these returns and I'm going to try to look at what, what the ROAS was on this. Uh, but I, I have some data that, that from, from a sample that, you know what, like these customers, they might not call my business. They might want a way to convert easily on their own time because they might, it might not be that urgent. That's probably why they're calling. So what is my form match rate right now across <clears throat> all channels? 
if that's lower than what I set as a benchmark or I'm working with, you know, uh, Eric at, at rival, I, I know my camera's a little bit slow. Like we want to get that dialed in, uh, you know, before we go there and then chat, for example, like we, we saw, um, you know, that, uh, trying to get that percentage back up. Uh, 13%, I think I said, you know, of those leads are converting via chat. So we ran another study that looked at, uh, managed chat by a third party versus the contractors managing the chats themselves. And we found that the contractors managing the chats themselves earned 54% less revenue than, than paying another company or agency to be 24 seven, respond quickly, be trained, things like that. So if you're really trying, I know it means sometimes spending more, but if you're going to do Facebook, make sure you get the audiences, the creative, you, the spend is enough. Make sure the website, make sure you're ready to capture because only 29% call. They don't really want to get on the phone with you because it's not urgent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Cause you know, like, um, like with Facebook ads, in my opinion, um, if you're going to do Facebook ads, it's got to be replacement and installation, change out stuff like that. Cause I mean, you're, you're disrupting someone's social t- time, if you will. Um, you know, I, I've seen some people, I even see it online where they're just like, it's a, it's a service ad. And I'm like, I'm scrolling on Facebook. I'm not aware of an issue with my furnace, but if I'm thinking about it and I'm scrolling and it's like $89 a month, $500 off, that's going to probably convert a lot better than just some service ads. So yeah, I would say Facebook is just so interesting to me right now. just because it's really, um, so what about, what about the, uh, the lead forms on Facebook? What have you guys seen from those? Like so the doing ones- actual lead forms in the ad? Yeah. Like from Facebook where it doesn't take you to the website, but it's just the, the Facebook lead form. Cause we've seen a ton of just terribly bogus leads come from that. Yeah. That, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, you know, we, we've done, yeah, that that's literally what, what we saw. So we initially, because yeah. the pitch is nice. The, the pitch, and the, this is where the separation between really studying your customer behavior, understanding it gets important. Uh, the pitch makes sense. I, I can literally click your ad and Facebook pulls my information in for me and easy customer experience, right? I mean, we saw nothing uh, except a head and, and those leads live in Facebook and you have to go get them, yada, yada. Uh, what we found to be really effective is, again, audiences. Like we look at age of home, the type of equipment. We say, okay, what are we selling? High velocity systems. So th- this is, these are the audience that we're going to attack. And here's the specific messaging. Here's the specific landing page. We know that we want to optimize to forms. We know that we want to have chat ready to go uh, for those customers. And it just, performs much much better yeah yeah that's it's um we've seen the those facebook lead forms they had you know at at one point they were nice and then i feel like something happened with with facebook like with their ads manager or something and they just you started getting leads coming in and then you call them and they're just like i have no clue what you're talking about yep (laughs) and so it's it's very very interesting um so, all right. So we, we've dug into PPC, Bing, SEO, Facebook ads. I feel like we've really covered a lot of good stuff here. Is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you were hoping to talk about? Yeah. So something to think about. And again, I wrote a Substack article about this. ACHRI installation data. 
probably my favorite article that I that I wrote that you know it, it didn't get as many views as, as some of the trend data things like that but ACHRI has installation data going back I think to 2001 or 2002 and this is not my idea someone else had this on YouTube I forget who it was I would love to give that person credit but this gentleman <clears throat> talked about how demand cycles in, in home services, specifically HVAC, every 15 years. Equipment lasts about 15 years, and, and that's the replacement cycle. So if you're you know, in 2005, you can look to 2020 to kind of predict the demand. And when you look at the charts, they, do, they, they look pretty lined up. Now, we are going, we're in 2023, 15 years ago, right? We're starting to approach the 2007 to 2009 2010 era when demand dropped and we need to be prepared for that. And in, in my opinion, I know there's a lot of factors and, and heat pumps are, you know, making a run, but we saw furnace demand just, just looking at this ACHRI data drop 20.7%. I believe it was in that, that first year, 20%. Whereas heat pump demand only dropped by, I think it was, you know, 1.6%. So kind of, again, a lot of variables there. But you can use historical data just to get a macro sense of, you know, how bad could, could it get, right? If, if, if leads are down, should we expect this? COVID brought, pulled forward a lot of demand, uh, you know, that, that had to pause for a couple months and people are spending time at home. But then, you know, now we're, we're going back, back into the office, um, you know, a little bit more. So it's just something to consider that it, it's not a scare tactic by any means, but, you know, central AC from... 2007 until it hit bottom in 2010, drop demand dropped 17%. Heat pumps dropped 13.5%. They hit bottom in 2009. Furnace demand dropped 21.8%. And so those aren't huge numbers. This isn't like, oh my gosh, 70%. It just totally collapsed. This is a needed service, <clears throat> right? Even for survival in the cold climates and the summer things that. So if there were ever a time to really get into your data and your operations and, and, and do that, I think it's now. And look, I'm biased. That supports my product. Let's call that out, right? Our product is, is, is data. And it's doing stuff with data that improves your business in a way that nobody else can. And what we're seeing, again, is we're not alone in that. Like We get that feedback right now that things are getting tougher and we're a little scared and we want to know what to do. And we wouldn't be a business if, if, you know, we didn't solve these problems and, and have useful information. So it's just, you know, my, my perspective is people who are using data are able to make more with less and are going to be very, very prepared when we see things start to come back up as it inevitably always tends to do. Yeah. <clears throat> that's, that's really good stuff. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at this article now. Um, this is very interesting for the listeners out there. Um, as you all know, We'll drop the links for these in the show notes um, because this is this is definitely worth taking a look at. This is very interesting stuff, and um, I think you know smart business owners understand that success leaves clues, and data is the truth. Um, you can we can have all of our suspicions and, and and scares about a recession and all this other stuff, but at the end of the day data is, is going to be what the real answer is. It's the truth. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, this has been, this has been a great conversation. I've uh, really you know, appreciated you having, really appreciated you joining me on the show today. Um, what, what's a good way for some of our listeners out there to get a hold of you or learn more? 
Yeah, I, the Substack that I mentioned, Substack is just an email newsletter platform. I write one once a week. So the datadriventrades.substack.com. Great way to sign up for that. You get this delivered to your inbox. And look, if, if you have questions, you're interested in this, you want to talk more about it, you want to pick my brain, J-O-N at searchlightdigital.io. If you want to look at our website, searchlightdigital.io. I love questions. I love, because... Just as much as we encourage our clients to study their customers, we do the same thing. We're sitting on a mountain of data and we want to use it best for you. So I, I love the informational interviews. I love talking to different people and getting different perspectives and just want to help serve this industry. And, you know, our, our legacy, again, we've got family in this business. Our legacy is if, if we can help contractors use data to give themselves a competitive advantage, better, better, you know, business operations, better performance and just more happiness. We're, we're satisfied. Awesome. Well, John, thank you again for joining me on the show. Um, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. We've got some really cool interviews coming up uh, in, in, the, in the coming weeks. Uh, next week, I will be at Toolbox Live down in Jacksonville, Florida. I'll be recording a few live episodes there, so you should be expecting some pretty cool interviews there. Um, and then a couple other guests lined up for the weeks after that, which I'm pretty excited for. So um, everyone listen to this, hang in there, go look at your data, go look at your marketing operations, take it easy on your marketing agency, unless they suck. If they suck, then go beat them up, but take it easy on them. You know, we can't uh, force people to go on Google. So awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in to another episode and until next time, stay smart. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.